Broadcasting from the heartland of America, in the Hoosier Media Network Studios, the next generation in conservative talk radio, this is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is another weekend edition of the Voice of Reason. So wonderful to have you with us here all over the country, at multiple radio stations all over the place, plus the live streaming, podcasting, TV, whatever you watch or listen to on a regular basis. So wonderful to have you. Welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day, every single weekend here on the program broadcasting out of Wichita, Kansas at the Hoosier Media Network Studios. Almost. I almost had to do the program today at my radio studio that I work for during the weekdays uh, down in Wichita, Kansas, but was able to make it in time with some shenanigans going on. We'll get to all that here in just a moment. So great to have you. You can find us on our website at HoosierReason.com, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason.com, and of course our social media at Hoosier Reason. Again, same H-O-O-S-E-R Reason on all of your social media sites. And uh, it's all the same. That way it's very simple, very convenient. There's no one else out there that can spell it like we do. Coming up on the show today, we have so much to talk about, man. It has been a weekend of absolute pandemonium, or at least a week of. And as you know, they do the media dumps right at the end of the week. So Friday is you're like zoning out. You're ready to go off work. You're ready to go and enjoy the weekend. Of course, that's when they do the big media dumps and all the big news that's come out. We've had some court cases. We've had some entertaining ones. We've had some really stupid ones. We'll cover all those. Bottom of this hour, we have Daniel Bowles. He is the author of the latest book, America's Freedom Megaphone. We'll talk about the importance of elections this year, the importance of being prepared, being the activists that we need to be. Because I'm here to tell you, and I've been saying it during my weekday program, that this year we are not going to get any help from the RNC, the National Republican Committee. We are not going to get any help from your statewide Republican parties because they are in complete shambles. But yet I am optimistic that this could be one of the best election years for Republicans as a whole. And it's strictly because of you and I being the activists, being the catalyst for change in your own community and doing your own thing. So I am super optimistic, even though things don't look optimistic for a party right now uh, as in its entirety. So we'll try it with Daniel about that coming up here in just a little bit. Before we do all that, though. There is today, or this weekend, depending on when you're listening to this, this weekend, there is a very significant moment that we all need to take a moment and just remember uh, uh, for conservatives, for Republicans, for the talk radio industry as a whole, as it has been three years to the day of the passing of Rush Limbaugh. And the, the golden icon, the legend in talk radio, the guy that started all of this, we're nothing more than trying to walk in his footsteps and walking down the path that he set. He was the trailblazer. He was the icon. He was the legend in this industry. And we have to give him credit. And I know everybody's got their great Rush Limbaugh stories. Uh, Chad, jump on here for just a moment, Chad, if you can. And I don't know if you have any or not, but I know everybody that's semi-involved in talk radio has some type of story of the first time they ever heard Rush Limbaugh. But do you have like significant moments? You're like, oh yeah, I remember when Rush did this. Do you do any of those? Rush yeah. to me. I think Rush really had a lot to do with how I started believing politically. Because he kind of oh. came on board when I was, I guess I was probably 14, 15 years old. And I started listening to him then, and he kind of paved that path for how I was going to be growing up. 
Interesting. So he yeah, he yeah. he definitely he laid the foundation for your fundamental view on the world. Oh, absolutely. At, I love at least it. Political view. Sure, sure. I love it. That's awesome. So uh, that's a great story. I have it now. I have right here, and for those that are watching the video stream, which you can find on our social media as well, I have the his book that his wife released when he passed away. Radio's greatest of all time, Rush Limbaugh with Catherine. Limbaugh and David Limbaugh that co-authored this book and I've read I haven't read all the way through it yet but I've been working my way through it I have it sitting up and and for those again that are watching my video stream this is the home studio this is my basement the bunker of the Hoosier Media Network and I have an entire bookshelf that covers I've always wanted a bookshelf that covers my entire wall I pretty much have that and this one sits right up front and center on my bookshelf because it's always a reminder not only for my passions wanting to be in the radio industry and the, the the direction that I've wanted to go, but who he was and how he kind of paved that way for me and so many others to do this type of media and get this uh, information out there, doing it in a somewhat entertaining way that there is, in my humble opinion, there is a major demand for actual radio hosts out there. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of talk show hosts out there, but what I mean by that is that Rush Limbaugh was not an expert in his field he was not some specialist. He was not some former elected official. He was not some person that worked for the government that turned radio. He wasn't a guy that came from that type of uh, specialty that all of a sudden turned radio and then became popular. He was a disc jockey. He was a DJ. He was a radio host his entire life. His radio was his career. He started off as a sports broadcaster. He started off as a music DJ in radio, I believe, in St. Louis. And then grew from there until he started this type of style of programming. And I love that because nowadays there are very, very few actual radio professionals, people that are actually from the industry, that understand the industry, and do, do this format of talk radio properly because of being in this industry and understanding the radio industry as a whole. Everybody out there, and, I, and not to knock them because some of them are fantastic radio hosts, obviously. But there are very few of them that started off in this industry and that turned radio into what it's supposed to be, which is radio, which is some information, some entertainment, understanding demographics, understanding the, uh, the, the people that you're reaching, the P1 radio listener out there, and understands the behind the scenes of the radio industry. Most of them come from, I'm an elected official. I was a Secret Service agent. I was a specialist in this industry. I was a national security agent. I was this. I was that. And then turned radio, which is fine. But there's something lacking, and to me at least, Rush Limbaugh was probably one of the biggest um, uh, incentives and encouragers for me to get into this industry because I followed that path. I went to a broadcasting school. I've been in radio for my entire career. Now, I've worked other jobs leading up to that when I was in college, when I went to the broadcasting school. I've done many other things, but this has been my full-time career since I went to a broadcasting school in my early 20s, and I've been in radio now since for about 15 years. And this has been all that I know. I'm not the specialist. I'm not the expert. We bring the experts on the program, but I think that those types of programs are necessary to understand what a radio listener may want to enjoy and the fun audio clips and the bits and the satire stuff and the jokes that we do to understand at the end of the day, radio is entertainment where hopefully you can learn a little something in between the entertaining conversation as well. So uh, Rush Limbaugh was one of the biggest uh, influences of my life when I was in college, majoring in political science, not knowing what the hell I wanted to do with politics, but knowing I wanted to be involved in politics somehow. And then when an opportunity at my broadcast or at the university 
that I went to when they opened it up to anyone to join the communications department and do a radio show on their internet radio station for the university, I jumped at the chance. I listened to Rush Limbaugh. I listened to these other big radio hosts. I could totally do this. This sounds like a lot of fun. And they put me on a slot from two to four in the morning and I fell in love with it. That's when I dropped out of college. I went to a broadcasting school and I've been behind a microphone for the last 15 years since crafting my skill and doing it with the idea that you don't have to be some specialty expert or some elected official to have knowledge, but to be a radio host, understanding what radio and this medium is for the media industry. And I absolutely love it. So God bless you, Rush Limbaugh. We love you to death. Real quick, I will say the I got to see him in person one time. One time. The Conservative Political Action Conference, and I believe it was 2008, was it? 2008, 2009. Those are the two years I was in college. So that was one of the years where he was there. And he spoke. He was the, he was the final speaker. It was one of those days where I we knew Rush Limbaugh was going to be the big draw. He was the final day of CPAC. And I went, and that morning, I didn't sleep. Uh, really that night, or I woke up super early, I went to that convention hall where he was going to speak, and I got in there, I got about the sixth row from the stage, and I did not move from 8 a.m. to about 5 p.m. that afternoon when he was speaking. I did not get up to eat. I did not get up to go to the restroom. <laughs> I, I was dedicated. I was going to see Rush Limbaugh, and I saw him, and he accepted some award there, and he was only supposed to speak like 20 minutes, and he ended up speaking for like an hour and a half. It was amazing. It was one of the best experiences I think I ever had, and I know that so many people have had so many experiences from what he did on the radio and uh, out behind the scenes as well. So God bless you, Rush. We miss you to death. We wouldn't be doing what we do on this show and so many other shows without your encouragement. And I think, Chad, this is my conspiracy theory. I think that there's some special connection between Rush Limbaugh and myself. I was born the exact same year that he went and syndicated in 1988. I'm just, I, 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 <laughs> I think there's some type of, woo, you know, going on there. So I'm just going to roll with it. And uh, I think that that's a sign that this program is going to be relatively spectacular and that we have some kind of special bond. I'm rolling with it and I don't care what anybody else says. All right. That's my credit. That's my salute. That's my tribute to Rush Limbaugh. God bless you. We love you to death. I'm not going to spend the entire program on that, but we had to give our shout out to that because I think it is a very significant time for the radio industry. And now that he's gone, no one can ever fill the shoes, but now it opens up the door where there are so many talk show hosts out there grasping it as much as they could to get when he left but they're never going to be that caliber. They're never going to be that big. There's nothing more iconic. And I will say that what I pride myself on, or at least what I work to pride myself on on this radio show, is that I'm not a guy that just jumped behind a microphone with my career, but this is my career. This is what I love. This is what I do. And I hope that that um, shows through the radio waves when you listen to this on a regular basis. All right, uh, let's get into what's trending because there's a lot to happen this weekend, shall we? Well, let's try this one. It's your week in review. So you talk about that professionalism. One of these days, I promise I'll get my buttons actually worked out on my end. Uh, all right, the big news of the day that we wrapped up with on Thursday, Friday this week, Donald Trump getting a hit from the attorneys from the lawsuits that he's been battling. Now, this is going to be challenged. This is going to be appealed, and I don't see this going any further. But I want to put this into perspective for you with him having to pay potential fines of up to $450 million as things begin to stack up between the couple different lawsuits that have ruled against him. Plus, Eric and Trump Jr., Don Jr., that'll have to pay $4 million apiece from the latest one. They're not allowed to run businesses in New York for like three years. They're going to have an independent auditor or advisor 
sitting on the boards, making sure they're not involved in this stuff for the next three years. A major hit on Donald Trump going into election year. What I will say is these are the biggest sham lawsuits I have ever seen in my entire life. Now, you can agree, you can disagree, you can like Trump, you can dislike Trump, but at the end of the day, these are sham lawsuits because the reasoning for them to say that he somehow inflated his business assets to go and get a loan is absolutely absurd. I don't know how you can do that, especially with property, when you're not the one that's setting the value of your property. Those would be like people that come in and assess the value of your property. I know, like the county assessor that comes and checks to make sure your house is like at a certain value. Yeah, those are the ones that would come and actually assess the value of his properties as well. At the end of the day, he also paid back all the loans, making everybody money. Everybody's happy hunky-dory. This is nothing more than a way for them to try to decimate what he's created and try to cripple him on the campaign trail, which is extremely unfortunate. This is not going to stand. And I want you to take that away with a more optimistic view. This is not going to stand at all because there's no way that they're going to come after him for $450 million plus everything else that they want to do. This is the way for the progressives, for the elites, for the deep state, for the establishment, whatever you want to talk, however you want to view them or perceive them. They've realized that they cannot get him off the ballot. They've realized they cannot remove him from the presidential run. They see the momentum that he has that continues to grow. And the only way they see now, which is their biggest asset, is to destroy him financially. The same way they did with Alex Jones when they slapped him with a $100 million fine. The same way they're doing with Elon Musk because Elon Musk is challenging the status quo. They've realized take the money away and the power begins to crumble. But the question I have for you, is it really going to work against Donald Trump or any of these guys? I highly doubt it. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's America's political therapist. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome in. Therifying America, one radio program at a time, one radio listener at a time. So great to have you with us here all over the nation. More radio stations coming on board, by the way. We have some good, exciting information about that coming up soon. Look forward to telling you. So I want to put this into the 30,000-foot view for just a moment. You can listen to all the pundits break down real estate, break down the way that real estate's done, break down the value of real estate, break down the legal side of it. And you've heard all of that, and we can go down that road. It's kind of tedious, but I don't want to do that. I want to step back for just a moment and look at the 30,000-foot view here for just a second and look and see what they're trying to do because this is a bigger message. This is a bigger agenda of what they have. They've realized we can't remove Donald Trump from the ballot. It's not working. The Supreme Court's going to come out in about a 9-0 decision against Colorado and say, yeah, yeah, that was really stupid for you to try what you did. It's not going to work. They've realized that the lawsuits putting him behind bars is not working. This is a state of desperation. Hey, Democrats, you might want to cover up your desperations showing. This is nothing more than a realization that we can't remove him from being able to be back in office. So what we'll do is we'll destroy him entirely to where he's incapable because all his entire life, all his entire family's legacy has built up to being a real estate mongol, being a wealthy individual, and we'll just strip it away. The same thing they did with Alex Jones. If you remember, and again, like Alex Jones, don't like Alex Jones. He's a radical. He's a nut. He's a conspiracy theorist. Whatever you want to say, I don't care. What they did to him 
was political bias to an exact T. In fact, the prosecutors openly said they want to go for the fullest extent, even above what this case was really valued at, because they want to make an example out of him to crush the esteem from anybody else up and coming behind him. To crush the ability for anybody to even think about wanting to be a a conspiracy uh, theorist or challenge what the government may be doing behind the scenes. To crush that mindset. This is totalitarianism at its absolute best. This is political corruption at its absolute best. This is the the corruption in the legal system at its absolute best. This is what they're doing. It's going after the money. They're the only ones that are allowed to have money, apparently. Donald Trump's not allowed to. Alex Jones isn't allowed to. Elon Musk isn't allowed to. If you remember, they did the lawsuit uh, against Elon Musk recently about recalling many of the Tesla vehicles because of the auto drive that was crashing into, like, trees and things. And if you know anything about Tesla vehicles, which I don't own one that I've been in one a couple of times, if you know anything about the self-driving vehicle, it's not really self-driving. It can drive itself for like 15 seconds, but unless your hands are on the steering wheel, after about 15 seconds or so, it starts beeping at you to let you know, hey, you can't fall asleep. You can't go in the back seat. You can't just not pay attention. You have to still have your hands on the steering wheel, paying attention, or else it doesn't work. So. Uh, it's, it's the fact that it crashed into trees means someone didn't abide by that. And then the government turned around and said, no, we have to recall all of these vehicles. You have to pay a hefty fine and we're going to come after you. Why? Because you bought Twitter and you're allowing freedom of speech and freedom of content. You're releasing all the secrets of what we had with con- content control and shadow banning on Twitter before you actually purchased the actual site. We're going to come after you. You're the wealthiest man in the world, and we don't want you to have that money because you're not allowed to fight against our elitist globalist agenda. So all of these, these major players, they're coming after. It's not just Donald Trump. Hopefully to scare away the ones that are up and coming, all the other media sites, all the other business owners, all the other people that could be coming behind them. They want to make sure that they set an example, make an example out of these individuals. This is a warfare that we're in right now, not a physical war, but a corruption war. They want to go back to business as normal in Washington, D.C., and it's not working right now. So this will get appealed. More than likely, it'll get overturned. Donald Trump still have to pay a buttload in in legal fees. We'll have to pay some money up front in order to actually go ahead with the ongoing appeal process to get some of this money not have to be paid out. But at the same time, it's still going to have to pay a hefty chunk, and they're just going to throw more at him over and over and over again. Get ready. This is getting brutal. Their desperation showing what happens when you get a rabid dog backed into a corner. They lash out. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Truth, reason, and common sense. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. On this program, truth, reason, common sense, rationale, you know, the minority things in society, but yet we're going to make them the majority all over again, make people actually learn how to think and not what to think. That is the goal for this program, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation, one radio listener at a time with our multiple radio stations all over the place. So great to have you. So uh, we'll get back to the lawsuit issues here in just a moment. I am, again, optimistic because this is just ridiculous. It shows the political corruption going on in our uh, judicial system. But 
on the positive side, it's being exposed. So keep coming at us and see how well it's working because every time you go after Donald Trump, his poll ratings continue to rise. I know, crazy, right? Now we have, according to the latest polls I've seen, Donald Trump is winning overall by like four to five points nationwide. He is winning in every one of the major swing states, I believe, right now. And in fact, even Minnesota, that's predominantly Democrat, he's even now in play in the error of margin there. Why? Well, we said it before. There are numerous different demographics that the Bidens have upset because of multiple range of issues. The Hispanics are upset with the cartels coming in and open border policies that they don't want. The Jewish community is upset with the lack of standing for Israel. The Muslim communities are upset with the lack of standing for Palestine. So he just got went all over the place. That's why Michigan right now, Donald Trump's up because the Muslim population, which was essentially the swing vote in the last election in 2020 for Joe Biden, they're pledging not to vote for Donald or not to vote for Joe Biden and just not showing up in the race right now. And the amount of the Muslim population that there are in registered voters in Michigan is the margin of how much Joe Biden won in the last election. The same thing going on in Minnesota with the large Muslim population there. They're not happy with Joe Biden. They're not going to show up. Now Donald Trump's actually in play. He may not win it, but he's in play. He's within the margin of error for those populations and for the polls overall at a statewide level. What does this mean? For an election, when we're in a very wonky kind of time right now, the Democrats are panicky. Joe Biden's not doing well. The uh, He's starting to lose his mind. The only way they can go after Donald Trump now appears to be his finances because the other things that throw him in jail aren't sticking. The plan to remove him from the ballot aren't sticking. So the panic is beginning to set in. And we're getting closer to convention time in June where they may have to choose a different candidate. Talk about all this and more. Excited to have our next guest on the program. Let's go to the Hoosier Media Hotline. As we're happy to have him on, he's author of the book America's Freedom Megaphone, the case for building the Statue of Enduring Freedom. Daniel Bowles on the line with us here. Dan, how are you, my friend? Andy, it's a pleasure to be with you, speaking with your audience. I hope that uh, our words today will bring them some understanding and enlightenment on our topic. I, I sure hope so. I'm excited. I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic about this year. Well, it seems like Republicans are in shambles right now, and we're kind of breaking down in our own way. Democrats seem to be doing it as well. We're at the race to the bottom of the barrel right now. And uh, we see them every day that more and more people are frustrated and just wanting to walk away from the whole thing. So, Daniel, uh, where are we when it comes to freedom, constitutional principles, and the ability for fight for our individual sovereignty in this nation? Are we winning this battle right now? Well, you know, I'll say it, uh, I'll say it two different ways. No, we're not winning the battle right now. But having said that, we are also becoming aware of what is going on and what has been done to us as uh, patriots and to our country as a democracy. So, yeah, it's like a double-edged sword, and I think it's a wonderful time to be an American patriot, the times that we're living in right now. We are becoming motivated as we understand how we've been manipulated over the last uh, number of decades into, uh, into uh, you know, moving towards uh, soft tyranny and socialism. Yeah, that's a big danger, which continues to be an ever-increasing danger, I think, in the United States. My biggest concern has been, do we actually know how to fight this stuff and how to change it? Back during the time before we started the revolution, we ended up throwing a massive amount of tea in a harbor because of the tax rates that were uh, being increased by like 2%. And we're like, yeah, we're not going to have that. That's, that's enough of that crap. And we ended up throwing a whole bunch of tea into a harbor. 
nowadays, when we go on social media, create a hashtag and say, I'm, this is a bunch of crap, but then we don't really do anything about it as we just keep going about our mainstream lives. So do we actually know how to properly change things the way they need to be changed? That question leads right into the entire mission of the Statue of Enduring Freedom, which is uh, what my book is all about, at least making the case that we need to build another historic monument on the West Coast to complement Lady Liberty on the East Coast. And to answer the question, what can we do about it? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, our, uh, our monument, when it is built, uh, will have an educational outreach component. So it will be future focused to current and future generations of our youth. Uh, we know that uh, we know that something's wrong in America. Our freedoms have not uh, been adequately studied in public education for at least the last 60 years. The very definitions of America's once common vocabulary words such as freedom, democracy, equality of opportunity, individual responsibility, and balance of power, these words have been hijacked and politicized in a way that now creates ideologues rather than critical thinking citizens. That's where we're at today, and the message of our monument is to take that issue straight on, and we're going to be offering uh, lessons, uh, civic lessons about the true, factual, patriotic foundings of our country. Ooh, I love that. I love that concept. We need that more than ever right now with, like you said, the, the curriculum that's teaching America is evil. It's bad. It's run by a bunch of – it was created by a bunch of slave owners. It's run by the rich white elites. It's run by the evil rich white guy. Whatever they try to tell us nowadays – is exactly kind of the opposite of what's it's what reality really is right now. We need to teach what real history was in the United States and the preciousness of this freedom. Because Dan, all I hear about ever is how we need to be a little more like Scandinavia. We need to have the quasi-socialist country. We need to have more government uh, involvement. We need to have more centralized power. We need more things to be taken care of. According to Joe Biden, we want to willingly give up our freedoms to be taken care of because we don't want to have to deal with these problems. But I don't see that to be the actual case here, do you? Well, it isn't. Um, you know, uh, the term silent majority has been used in the past, and we believe that the silent majority um, have now morphed into what we call the freedom movement. And these, and think of it as an advanced uh, case of the Tea Party movement of years past, uh, loosely organized but very focused on maintaining our individual liberties and freedoms. And that's where we're at today. You know, think of it as the uh, the big bear uh, sleeping in hibernation. And if you poke that guy, if you poke him long enough and hard enough, he's going to wake up. And when he does, he's going to be really upset. And we believe that's where the American uh, population is today. Patriots of, of all parties. They, they've been we've been poked. We've been poked and we're standing up loud and we're frustrated and we're going to do something about it. And that's why we feel it's a good time to build this uh, historic monument, the Statue of Enduring Freedom. I love it. Now, talk about the statue and what it would look like if we were able to build something out on the West Coast, which is amazing. We've seen the cancel culture try to silence and shut down statues all over the nation. What would this represent and what would this look like if we were able to make this happen? And isn't that a wonderful time? Like you say, right now, liberals are busy tearing down statues <laughs> and they're busy re trying to rewrite our history, i.e. the 1619 Project of many. Well, anyway, yeah. the Statue of Enduring Freedom, when you go to our website, freedomalliancellc.com, you'll be able to see the design of the statue. You'll be able to see our sculptors uh, in, working on it in their studio in Chicago. Um, and uh, anyway, you'll get the whole history of it, where how it came to be, 
and uh, all the uh, design elements of the statue itself. So, um, you know, we're doing it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm on your website right now looking at the pictures. They look fantastic. You can go to freedomalliancellc.com, and on the tab, The Monument, you can go and look at this. Really cool. I uh, will share a picture of this and share it on our social media page for people to enjoy this as well. Talk about the significance of it. Talk about the symbolism that you have in this statue. Well, as you know, symbolism is very important, particularly when it comes to monuments. And uh, because Lady Liberty obviously is a huge symbol, <clears throat> excuse me, for our, uh, you know, the rule of law for liberty, um, which is massively important. It's been 138 years since we dedicated Lady Liberty. And uh, in another couple of years, we're going to be celebrating the 250th, uh, you know, birthday of the United States. We believe this is a perfect time to build another historic monument to complement Lady Liberty. And Brother Freedom, as he is referred to, will do just that. And Brother Freedom will become a uh, will become a megaphone, you know. To and that's why I named the book America's Freedom Megaphone. We're using uh, some of the words from Dinesh uh, Dinesh D'Souza in his last book, where he challenged American citizens to take up our own individual megaphones and and make noise, make noise. And so, collectively, regarding symbolism. The Statue of Enduring Freedom will become just that. It will become a 305-foot-tall monument symbol of enduring freedom. And so, yeah, we're, we're going to, when the monument is built and we get on board with all of everything that needs to be done about it, we will be, caught, be using that as a rallying point to combat all of the, all of the horrible uh, issues that are going on in our country today. And it will be an exciting time. It will be an exciting event. If we're able to make this happen, and if you guys were able to pull this off and, and build this statue, I think it would be one of the most significant things that we've seen in a very long time. And like you said, with 250 years coming up, I mean, if Donald Trump gets back into office, he wants to make it a year-long celebration and party here in the United States. And I think it needs to be because not very many nations make it that far, especially uh, even though we've lost many of the rights. But the ability for us to preserve as many of them as we've been able to at this point and hold on to our original documents, our rule of law, the way we have to with the Constitution. It's something to be celebrated, and it would help remind us of how important this movement really is. We're talking with Daniel Bowles. He is the author of the book America's Freedom Megaphone, the case for building the Statue of Enduring Freedom. He's also with Freedom Alliance LLC, which you can go online at freedomalliancellc.com. Uh, Dan, hang on the line. We'll continue this conversation when we come back in a minute. Got to take a break. I want to talk about the future of America and what this may look like moving forward. When we come back here on The Voice Reasons, a weekend edition. More to get to. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Where Hoosier Hollicks gather every week. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I know you sick freak. You have a whole lot of problems tuning into this program every single weekend, being the Hoosier Holic that you are, which you can be the Hoosier Holic that you want to be on our website at HoosierReason.com, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason. You can sign up for the newsletter. It'll pop up, say, Do you want to become a Hoosier Holic? You're like, duh. Type in your email. It's completely free. We send you a just a once-a-month email. That's it. We don't bog down your emails. We don't you know, send you a whole bunch of spam crap. We just send you a once a month email that has our blog on it, has our newsletter with our 
our monthly blog, some information about the show, information about the Hoosier Media Network, all the fun stuff we're working on, other great podcast programs that we produce here at the Hoosier Media Network, along with some other really cool stuff. So don't miss that. Lots of really cool information coming very, very soon. I can't give a whole lot out. We're waiting on a couple little details left before we can officially announce some of this stuff. So go check it out, HoosierReason.com, and become the latest and greatest Hoosier-holic. All right, we're hanging out with Daniel Bowles. He is the author of the book, America's Freedom Megaphone, the case for building the statue of enduring freedom. He's also with the Freedom Alliance, LLC. You can see the statue. I was looking at this throughout the break. Really cool. I love the symbol. I'm all about symbolism. I'm all about signs, all about symbolism in that sense. You can see it at FreedomAllianceLLC.com. Dan, let's look at the future here of the United States. Like you said, we're at a precipice right now, and we have an interesting election, obviously, this year where the deep state establishment, corruption, whatever you want to call them, they are in a state of desperation right now, a state of panic that Donald Trump could become the nominee for the Republicans and get back into the White House again. They want business to go back to normal like prior to Donald Trump when they could do their backdoor deals, when we weren't aware of some of the stuff that was going on in D.C., They want to go back to the way things were, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think that whether it was Donald Trump, whether it was COVID-19, whether it was other events that we've seen over the past few years, the doors are busted wide open, and now we see everything, and we're not letting them get away with it anymore. Do you see the same thing? Well, yes, and isn't it a beautiful time, like I said, to be an American patriot? We know that these liberals have been working behind the scenes in shadows for many, many decades. And they've, for whatever reason, gathered some, you know, some uh, courage on their part. And now they are, you know, peddling their wares in in the open. And uh, again, this is uh, patriots around the country. The freedom movement people are seeing it now. And we're going to be and are doing something about it. That's why we think it's a great time to be introducing this historic patriotic monument on the west coast yeah i love it how much of a role does donald trump play in this movement right now is he is he still the the centerpiece is he still the main focal point and the one that really the catalyst behind all of this or is he just a cog in the machine do you think without a doubt without a doubt he um, has brought these issues to a forefront during his term and that's why a lot of uh, Americans want to see him back in the White House so he can finish what he started back then regarding draining the swamp, um, calling uh, liberalism out at every corner. So um, it, it's a great time. It's a great time. And he was the catalyst. However, I will say this, and I mentioned this in my book, I give a historical uh, review of individuals in the history of our country, Ronald Reagan's, the Reagan Revolution. He had a lot to do with the same concept of small federal government and uh, large state government and individual rights. There was Reagan and, uh, you know, there's been other movements uh, in the history of our country. But without a doubt, um, Trump has really lit this fire and uh, we hope that he'll be able to continue it uh, in the next term. I love it. I'm right there with you. Uh, we got just about a minute left here, Dan. But if you guys are able to move forward with this statue and actually make it happen, what's the time frame on this? What needs to happen and how do we see this thing get up? This project has been underway since uh, 2017. Within just the last few months, we have essentially started to go public with the publication of my book. And now we're promoting it as best we can around the country. So as far as timeline goes, we hope and and plan that it will happen during the Trump administration coming up here in 2024. 
What has to happen between now and then? Uh, well, we'll find a benefactor to, to financially make it happen, and then we will start a large campaign across the country for American citizens to be able to contribute to this monument. That sounds so good. I love it. I hope that you guys are so, I so hope you're able to do this. That's just for the significance of the nation, but I want to see this off the coast of California, and I want it staring at California, almost like to make them shamed, almost like to look down at their hands and their feet and just look ashamed for what they've been doing as a reminder of what's to happen for this nation. I just want it staring at them like that parent, that, that parent that's upset, and you don't even have to yell and scream. You just make them look like that they're ashamed and that we can solve our ways and make things better. I love it. Go check it out, freedomalliancellc.com. Also, go check out the book as well. Daniel, we appreciate the time very much, my friend. We definitely will get you back on the show again real soon. Got to take a break. Hour number two of the Voice Reasons Weekend Edition right around the corner. We have more great stuff we have to break down. Get to what's the latest on the campaign trail. We'll do some of that right around the corner. Stay here for the Voice Reasons. Reasons.